Today on From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve, it's back to school time. Today we want to go into the classroom with grace because Paul says to Titus that the grace of God instructs us. The grace of God is the gospel, the gospel of the grace of God. The grace of God is this huge subject that you can't really get your arms around because it is so big. And grace is what saves us. Grace is what sustains us. Grace is what pushes us on. And we're going to learn today in the classroom with grace. He can heal every scar. Thank you for joining us today for From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve, who's in his new series called Beyond Amazing, Understanding the Grace of God. And the lesson today is entitled, In the Classroom with Grace. Now today he's gonna share three key insights about God's grace and how God desires for us to reflect his glory as we live to honor him. We're in the classroom with Grace today, one of seven messages in the brand new series that is also our special gift of thanks to you for your support from His Heart this month of any amount. And it's available in multiple formats. You can find out more later on the broadcast or simply go to fromhisheart.org. There too, you can catch up on programs this month from this series that you may have missed or from any program you've missed from From His Heart. But right now, open your Bible to the book of Titus chapter two. Here's Pastor Jeff Shreve to take us back into the classroom with grace. Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Paul is telling Titus, these things are important. He left him in Crete to, uh, to set up the church and to put in order that which remains. And he said, these are the things that you need to emphasize in the classroom with grace. Here's the question. Have you learned the key lessons of grace, of the gospel, of the grace of God? Lesson number one, the grace of God saves us. What do we learn from grace? Well, we learn that the grace of God saves us, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Now, God's grace, when he says in verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, he's probably talking about the incarnation when God the Son took on flesh and became a man. You know, we always go back to John 1 because John 1 is so rich. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
And the Bible says, of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. So it's the the grace of God and the God of grace who saves us. Now, Jesus came to save undeserving sinners. And how does he do it? He does it by his grace. For by grace, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, lest anyone should boast. The most well-known verse in the New Testament by far is John three sixteen. I mean, when we had Tim Tebow and others put on the the black under their eyes and they would write scripture verses. Tim Tebow was huge at writing scripture verses and people would look up that verse. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That verse has been called the gospel in a nutshell. So many people are familiar with John three sixteen, but they, they stop it verse 16, and they don't go on to verse 17. What does verse 17 say? For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, to condemn the world, but that the world should be saved through him. Now, remember this about God. He longs to save. He is eager to save, and he is reluctant to judge. God is so skewed to the good. I still remember my seminary class, my first semester in seminary, and I was taking an Old Testament survey class, and the professor was talking about uh, the the self-revelation of God when he speaks to Moses and he declares his goodness, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands or as some translations say, for a thousand generations, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. Stephen Andrews, my Old Testament professor, said, do you see how God is so skewed to the good? He keeps loving kindness for a thousand generations, and he visits the iniquity, the twistedness of sin on the children and the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. God is a good God. He longs to save. He's reluctant to judge. And he came into this world, the Lord Jesus, to save undeserving sinners by his grace. That's how he saves. Now, think about this. We talk about Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace you've been saved through faith. How do those things work together? Well, at your house, I'm assuming at your house you have electricity. The electricity comes into your house. When we have a power outage, boom, there's no electricity in your house. Nothing works that you have to plug in because all your plugs are dead. Grace is the electricity that comes to a house. Faith is plugging in to the electricity that comes to your house. Most mornings I have a piece of toast with peanut butter on it. I like that for breakfast, and so I'll have that. But you know, the toaster doesn't work unless you plug it in. 
And the, the toaster even plugged in doesn't work if you're having a power outage and there is no power to your house. So the only way the toaster works is if the power is on and you plug into the power. What is grace? It's the power, the electricity of God that is available to all men that gives the invitation that you can plug in to God's grace. You can plug into the power source. See, when you fall into the pit and you can't get out of the pit, the Lord comes by and he falls down in the mud and the muck and the mire at the mouth of that pit and he puts his hand of grace out to you and says, if you will put your puny little hand of faith in my great big hand of grace, I will pull you out of the pit. Hey, the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all men. Jesus came to save undeserving sinners and Jesus died for all sinners but only saves those who respond in faith. Hey, the, the toaster only works when you plug it in. You're only saved when you put your puny hand of faith in God's great big hand of grace. You have to respond to the Lord. And so John three seventeen says, the Father didn't send the Son into the world to condemn the world. He sent the son into the world to save the world, that you might be saved through him. God didn't have to send the son at all if he was just going to condemn you. The law does that. The law says the soul that sins shall die. The wages of sin is death. That's what the law does. And so the son came into the world not to tell you that, uh, hey, there's no way out for you. There's no hope for you. You're going to die. He came to say, I am the way out. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the father but through me. And so John 3:18 says, "He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God." Hey, do you want to escape judgment? Put your faith and trust in the Son. For by grace you've been saved through faith. Plug in, put your hand, puny little hand as puny as it may be, put your puny little hand of faith in his great big hand of grace. And he pulls you out of the pit. Now, you have heard, perhaps, the teaching of Calvinism. And in Calvinism, one of the tenets of Calvinism, the tulip, uh, that they use the little acrostic to, to see about the five points of Calvinism, the L in tulip stands for limited atonement. Limited atonement says that Jesus didn't die for everyone. He just died for the elect. That's limited atonement. And the thinking is, well, why would God waste a drop of the blood of his son? And so Jesus didn't die for everybody. He just shed his blood for the elect. Now, we would say, of course, the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all men. That doesn't mean that all men are going to be saved. They're not going to be saved. But there is the opportunity for all men to be saved. Why? Because there's no power outage in heaven. The power is on and everyone can plug in when they understand what it means they can plug in, put their puny hand of faith in God's great big hand of grace. When I first started as pastor here in 2003, there was a concert that was given on a Sunday night by a musical group. I'll not name their name, but they were very Calvinistic, obviously. And I still remember the guy, he was singing and he was looking around and he said, uh, talking about the wonders of heaven. And he just said, well, I hope you're elect because it's going to be a great time for the elect. And if you're not elect, you're going to miss out. 
There was no hope there. It was just like, man, I, I hope I'm elect too, but how do I know if I'm, maybe I'm not elect. Maybe God didn't pick me. And so I'm just destined and doomed to spend eternity in hell. You know, that doesn't sound like what the Bible has to say. You know, the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, it puts it like this, and the spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We have a hymn that many of us have sung over the years, whosoever will may come, based on Romans 10, 13. Whosoever will, whosoever will, send the proclamation over vale and hill, tis a loving father calls the wanderer home, whosoever will may come. The spirit and the bride say, come. If you want to be saved, you can be saved, and you can plug in to God's grace, for by grace, you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, lest anyone should boast. Now, I think Revelation chapter 20 that speaks of the final judgment, the last judgment of all is when God has to judge. Remember, he's eager to save. He's reluctant to judge. But when God has the final judgment, it's called the great white throne judgment, Revelation 20, 11 through 15, very interesting. Uh, death gave up the dead which were in them, and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. Death has the body. Hades has the soul. They come together, and every unsaved person stands before the Lord. Every Christ rejecter, every Christ uh, neglecter stands before the Lord to give an account, to have his or her day in court. And it says the books were open, which were the book of deeds. You know, God records everything that we do. And at the great white throne judgment, you're going to be judged according to your deeds. So uh, ironic, people think they can get to heaven by their good works. No, that's, that doesn't get you to heaven. That's how you're going to be judged because you're gonna find out how terrible a sinner you actually are. The books were opened, which is the book of deeds. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. That's kind of strange. You say, well, why is that strange, Jeff? Because everyone at the great white throne judgment is an unbeliever. Everyone at the great white throne judgment is lost. No one at the great white throne has his name in the book of life. But another book was opened, which is the book of life. And it says, if a man's name, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That's the second death, the lake of fire. That's what we know as hell. And the Lord brings the book of life to that judgment, even though no one's name that's going to appear before him is in the book. Why does he do that? It's to show every single person that Jesus died for them, that salvation came to all men, but that they rejected, that they neglected that they insulted, as it says in Hebrews 10, the spirit of grace. They trampled underfoot the blood of God's own son. He's going to show every single person, I died for you. Your name could have been in here, but you said no to me. You wouldn't plug into my grace. You wouldn't put your puny little hand of faith in my great big hand of grace. 
You said, in effect, this is God talking to the sinner at the great white throne judgment. You said, in effect, God, not your will, but mine be done. So now I say to you with a broken heart, not my will, but yours be done. And every man's name and every person's name who is not found written in the Lamb's book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Hey, in the classroom with grace, we find out that the grace of God is what saves us. Second lesson, key lesson from the grace of God. It's the grace of God that sanctifies us. Not only saves us, but sanctifies us. Look at it again. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. And what does it do? It teaches us. It instructs us. Instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Now, what we see in the passage in Titus 2 is we see the three tenses of salvation. You know, we talk about being saved. Hey, have you ever been saved? But then the Bible talks about the fact that you are being saved. Work out your salvation, the Scripture says, with fear and trembling. Work out what God has worked in. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. There's the past tense, there's the present tense, and the present tense of salvation is called sanctification. Sanctification is the process by which God makes us like himself. See, God saved us to live a life of holiness. He didn't just save us to get our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life and says, I'll see you when you die and you're good to go. It's like, well, what's he doing in the interim? He says, well, now I'm working on you to make you more like me. The little song I've shared with you before that we teach kids is a good song. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth, and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. So God saved us to live a life of holiness. He wants us to look like he does. This is what the scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 1. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, for it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. God said, now, what does that mean to be holy? To be holy means you're set apart. To be sanctified means you're set apart. You're God's special treasure. You're God's special possession. You're God's people in the world. And the Lord says, I want you to look like me. And we talk about sanctification as the process of Christ-likeness, looking more and more like Jesus, acting more and more like Jesus, responding more and more like Jesus. Now, it grieves the Lord's heart when we're his children, but we're not obedient children, we're disobedient children. And we know him, but we don't reflect any of his attributes. See, God wants us to reflect his glory by our actions and reactions. God wants for people to look at our lives and say, that person is a follower of Jesus Christ. We were reading a book in staff meeting about discipleship. And uh, one of the things that the author of this book said was, you know, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, 
Are you following him? If you're not following him, you're not following him on the path of righteousness and your life doesn't look anything like what a Christian's life should look like, well, then you got to ask yourself, are you really following? Because you can call yourself a follower of Jesus all day long, but a follower of Jesus is going to look like Jesus. It says in Acts chapter 4 when uh, Peter and, and John were before the Sanhedrin and they were so bold, it says, and they recognized them as having been with Jesus. Man, we can tell these guys have been with Jesus. These guys sound like their teacher. Their lives reflect the Lord Jesus Christ. And God wants us to reflect his glory. And he wants us to honor him by the way we live. So what does it say in verse 12? The grace of God tells us that it matters how we live. You know, the question in Romans where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Shall we continue in sin that, that grace may abound? You know, that's the question. So Romans 5, he says, hey, you're, you're steeped in sin, but where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And grace is greater than all our sin. And so the people say, oh, well, hey, if, if my sin brings grace, then shall I continue in sin that grace may abound? Maybe that's a good formula. I just keep sinning it up. And the apostle Paul says, God forbid, what a ghastly thought. No, you don't continue in sin that grace may abound. He saved you from sin. So the grace of God says, it teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires. We say no to some things. We say no to a life of irreverence before the Lord. We say no to worldly desires. This has truly been an important admonishment for believers everywhere to forsake presumptuousness, but rather live lives of holiness before the Lord. Today, we're in part one of the lesson entitled The Classroom with Grace, and it's from Pastor Jeff's brand new seven-message series, Beyond Amazing, Understanding the Grace of God. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, we hear what the gospel is in a nutshell, and it speaks of the grace of God. The verse says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. What does God want us to know and understand about his grace? We're finding that out all this month as Pastor Jeff continues through his series, Beyond Amazing, Understanding the Grace of God. And if you've ever felt doubt, fear, worry, anxiety in the matters of your life or heart, be reminded of God's limitless, amazing grace and that He can bring you peace for sure. We'd like you to have a copy of this brand new seven-lesson series available on USB, CDs, DVDs, or a digital download. It's our thanks for your support this month of any amount. To get yours, call 866-40-BIBLE. 866-40-BIBLE or go to fromhisheart.org. Your support allows us to broadcast here and around the world each and every day. Pastor Jeff is a volunteer for this ministry, and you're an intricate part of that effort. Pastor Jeff receives no income from this ministry. We can't thank you enough, but God will one day for sure. Again, call 866-40-BIBLE or go to fromhisheart.org. 
Well, we're going to pause right there in our lesson today with part one of the message entitled, In the Classroom with Grace, and we'll be back tomorrow. After a brief review, Pastor Jeff will continue taking us on this study of grace, a message from the series, Beyond Amazing, Understanding the Grace of God. Make sure you're with us Thursday when Pastor Jeff will open God's Word and share real truth, real love, and real hope from His heart. From His Heart is the listener-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve, speaking the truth in love to a lost and a hurting world. Remember, no matter what, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Find out about that when you go to fromhisheart.org.